So we've been doing this series about becoming the bride of Christ, about being the church that God wants us to be, and, and that the early church just focused on a few simple things, but they really poured themselves into those things, things like prayer, things like reading the Bible, things like just spending time together um, and being a body. And so we've just been pouring ourselves into those things through this sermon series. We've been spending more time reading uh, God's word and less time, you know, me talking about God's word. Uh, we've been praying more. And, and so we're going to continue uh, into that this week. And uh, we're going to be starting to talk about the fellowship part of it. And so we're going to be starting today in John chapter 17, verses 1 to 26. And, uh, and Jesus, in this passage, is actually praying for us. He's praying for the disciples, but then there's uh, a part in verse 20 where he starts actually praying for us. Um, and that's pretty cool that Jesus, in the Bible, is praying for us. Um, so that's where we're going to start today. John chapter 17, if you have your Bibles and want to turn along with me, or if, uh, if you want, it'll be on the screen behind me, or pull out your your phone and, and follow along on a Bible app or the Antioch app. Um, it says that Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. Jesus is about ready to be crucified. He said, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I've revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that I have is a gift from you, for I passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and they know that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those that you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They're staying in this world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. He's talking about Judas. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in the world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. And this is where he starts praying really for us. 
I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will become one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be where I am. Then they will see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I've revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So like I said, today we're going to be focusing about the fellowship that the early church experienced. And as we do, as we talk about it, I want to start, really, I want to reread the section from John that Jesus prayed for us. He said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, the 12 disciples, but, all, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's all of us that believe in Jesus. I pray that we will, he's praying that we would be one. He says, just as you and I, Father, are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, that they may be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the the glory that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Think about that for a second. That we would be one, that we would be united the same way that Jesus and God are united. That's heavy stuff. That's powerful stuff, that we would be so united that it would it would mirror the way that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, that the Trinity are united. He said, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That our unity would be a sign to the world. Our unity would be evangelistic. That the world would see us and go, wow, this Jesus thing must be real, that people would be drawn to Jesus because we are so united. We're going to actually talk about that a little bit more next week. It's going to be good. I'm really excited about next week. But we've been studying the word, looking at what, what it means to be the church that God wants us to be. And in that passage, Jesus prays for us and asks that, we would be one, that we would be united. And yet, in the world that we live today, the first thing that people think of when they think unity is not usually the church. Like, if, if I would go down to the bustling streets on Sunday morning of Logan, Ohio, and just do a, uh, you know, a poll and just ask random people, when you think the word unity, what do you think of? Probably not a whole lot of people, the first answer that they're going to give me is like Christians or, oh, the church in America or, oh, Antioch Alliance Church or Ebenezer Baptist Church or any, any church. The first thing that's going to jump to their mind when they think 
tell me about people that you just recognize unity in and that are united. The thing that's probably going to jump to their mind isn't going to have to do with the people of Jesus. In fact, this morning I was just wondering, like, what if you type in people that are united or you type in unity amongst people in just if you just Google that, you know, what what would pop up? Any, 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 any hint, any guesses? What pops up? Yeah, well, that, that came up. Uh, there's the unity, you're like Unitarians, but, but that wasn't actually even the first thing that popped up. Anybody? Uh, I'll give you a hint. I saw a lot of rainbow colors. Uh, yeah, when, when I typed in unity, like, all, you know, all this LBGT stuff popped up. Which, I mean, it's fine. People like, yay, unity. But, but like, it, it was like, but what about the church? Like, it's sad that, that the LBGT community is, is more known for their unity than the church is. And so you have... Jesus praying that his people would experience unity and yet the church is so often recognized really for the opposite of that. The United Methodist Church is getting ready to split, which makes it less united, I think. Um, I can say that. I grew up Methodist, uh, so it happens. But... uh, but in, in, the, in the book of Acts, though, you see Jesus' prayer being answered. What Jesus is praying for, asking the Father for in John 17, you see actually coming alive in the church in the book of Acts. So Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 4, 32 to 35. We've read it before. We're going to read it again. Check this out. All the believers devoted themselves. Check it out. All the believers, first of all, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing a meal, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in each other's homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They were known for unity. People saw it. People were drawn to it. They, their ability to care for and love one another each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. In Acts 4, 32 to 35, it says, again, all the believers were united, what Jesus prayed for, in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. 
The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring money to the apostles to give to those in need. I've been going to church my whole life since probably about week two of my life, maybe week three. I don't know when mom started bringing me to church, but it was pretty early. I grew up in a United Methodist church from age zero to age 17 or 18, and Bethany and I were dating, and then I was converted to the Christian Missionary Alliance. Um, But in all of my years in church, growing up in church, I've never seen anything like what I just read in Acts happening within the entire congregation of any church. Of any church that I've been a part of, any church that I've gone to, any church that I've visited. I've never seen in the whole church, like you see in the book of Acts, that kind of unity happening. And I kind of think, you know, isn't that sad? Isn't it sad that, that we don't ever see that? And, and I mean, I've seen it in little pockets here and there of believers at certain times, you know, they'll rally around something or a cause or, or, and, and, or someone and, and, they'll, and, they'll, and it'll look like that and it kind of bubbles up for a little bit and then it kind of dissipates. You know, it, you know, it might be a couple of years ago, the hur- you know, hurricane in Puerto Rico, everybody kind of came around, or, or when it was te- in Texas, you know, people all come around and, and help, and it, and it starts to kind of look a little bit like what you see in Acts, where people are like, I'll do, you know, whatever, but, and then it kind of goes away. But, but never as just a part of the culture of, that is a church, and it's, like I said, it's only been like few believers here and there, but never like in a whole congregation. And I, it's like, isn't that sad? Because that's what Jesus prayed that we would have. And, and I mean, you read that and you think, man, that would be so cool to be a part of that kind of, of lifestyle, that kind of group, that kind of love, that kind of, of sharing and unity and that kind of, of, of family and community. And I've, like I said, I've seen that a few times, pop, pop, you know, pop up here and there. And but when I've seen it, when I've been and maybe even got to be a part of it, it's been the most attractive thing to Jesus. It's been the most like wonderful, like oh, this is so cool to be a part of thing. And it makes me just want to be around that. And it makes. Other people want to be around that. And, it, and it, it gets people excited about Jesus. But I've never seen it as the whole church. But what Jesus prayed is true, that our unity draws people to Jesus. But how do we get there? How do we get to that kind of unity? Jesus said, in John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, think about that for a second, how Jesus loved us. 
as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. In the letters to the church, we're reading through that book kind of together as a church. How many of you are reading letters to the church or maybe you finished letters to the church? Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't read it yet, oh, you should get it and you should read it with us. It's a good time. Uh, get involved in a connect group and you'll talk about it. Um, if, you, if you want a copy of it, we still actually have some extra copies. They're 10 bucks, but if you don't, can't afford 10 bucks, whatever you can afford. If you can't afford anything, we'll just give you the book. Um, or you can get it on Amazon or anywhere. But, uh, but we're reading through that. In the workbook, though, I, I was looking at that, and, and Francis Chan says this, a, a command from God is sacred and important, even if he says it only one time. How do you think we should treat a command if God says it over 50 times? We're commanded over 50 times in the New Testament to love one another. He kind of makes the analogy that if your mom says to you like one time, like, hey, put your laundry in the laundry one time, like you go, okay, mom. And you may do it and you may not and you might forget. If your mom tells you 50 times to put your, like, you know, she's serious about that. And if your mom is anything like my mom, she would never have got to 50 before like there would have been consequences. Over 50 times, Jesus says, and the word says, love one another, love one another, love one another. And, and I mean, think about the things that we harp on, that we push so hard, that we, that we sometimes destroy people over, that, that, we put, that, we, that we make so important and over the centuries have made so important in the church. And it's just a command one time. Sometimes we'll even take commands like out of context and kind of make it into what we want and still kind of make people, you have to do it this way. And, and it's for something little just one time. Jesus over 50 times says, love one another. And then on top of love one another, there's all kinds of other one another's in the New Testament of how to treat one another and how to love one another. And so just because this is so important that we get this and understand this and work towards experiencing this kind of unity, I just want to read some of those one another's. And as I read those, just let God speak to you through his word. In fact, we're going to pray in just a second, just real short, and ask God to open up our hearts and to speak to us through his word. And if there's anything in there as we're reading through that, that, that you just kind of hear God's voice go, you know, like, yeah, think about that. You know, just, just deal with God, you know. If we're reading through it and, and you're hearing some of those and you're going, yeah, but like, and you start, that's probably something you need to deal with. If, if you start going through it and you hear this verse 
or that verse, and you go, oh man, I'm glad so-and-so is in the room this morning because they need to hear that verse. Probably one you might think about dealing with. So I'm just going to read those. Father, I pray that your word would be living and active and uh, that it would cut through all of our junk to speak directly to our heart. And I thank you that your word is truth, um, and I just pray that your truth would change our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12.16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Jesus said in John 13, 14, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Romans 13, 8. Love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. Serve one another humbly in love. Galatians 5.15 Beware of destroying one another. Galatians 5.26 Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Ephesians 4.2 Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Philippians 2.5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. 
Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. First Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18 tells us, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. First Thessalonians 5, 11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James 5, 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers or sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. First Peter 1, 22. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love each other deeply from the heart. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. 1 Peter 4, 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 1 Peter 5, 5, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 1 John three eleven, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. 1 John 3.23 says, This is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. 1 John 4.11 and 12 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
2 John 1.5. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we've had from the beginning. That is some of the one another verses in the New Testament. But you can see that one another is a pretty big deal. And encouraging one another, building one another up, making sure that we're not destroying one another, making sure that we're not judging one another. But how often do you see all of those one another's being played out in the community of believers? How often do you live out those things to the people, not just some people, but how often do you live those things out to the people in this room? It's rare to see these things, these, all these one another verses, it's rare to see them in the church in America today. But in Acts, that's what the church looked like. It's Jesus' prayer in John being answered. All of the people caring for, loving one another. You need a place to live? Okay, here, come live with us. You need a car? Okay, here, have mine. Money's a little short this month. Something unexpected came up. Something big came up. That's fine. I've got some extra stuff. I'll sell it. Facebook, buy, sell, trade. The money is yours. You can have the money. Something huge came up. Okay, well, I'll drain my savings and give it to you. Do you, 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 need, uh, you need my life? I'll give it up for you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. That's what you see in the book of Acts. People just going crazy and giving and loving and caring for each other. But you don't see people living like that a whole lot today. Although there's one exception where you might see that still today. Where it doesn't seem abnormal. One exception where you still may see people treating one another that way. Maybe. And that's family. You'll do that kind of stuff for family. A parent gets older, can't stay by themselves. What do you say? Well, come on, you know, move in with me. One of your kids, you know, that they're just out of high school trying to make it on their own, and all of a sudden something big happens and they've got this bill that they just can't pay. What do you do as a parent? Well, here, I'll help you out. Let me, get, let me help you get back up on your feet. You know, car breaks down. Well, here, take, take my car. You'll do that for family. Sometimes, maybe. But in Ephesians 2.19, Paul says, you're members of God's family. In Galatians 6.10, Paul says, Therefore, whenever 
we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. If we're going to become the bride, we're going to have to look less like the rest of the church in America and have to look a lot more like family. But just like everything, when it comes to following Jesus, there's a cost. There's a cost to living like the church in Acts. There's a cost to being family. All of you know that. Family is not easy. I mean, I, I just spent last weekend with family. My brother-in-law got married. We had a great time. We love each other. But still, family is family, and sometimes family is family. You know what I mean? It, it's not perfect. There's a cost to having family but we count the cost and we have family because that's what we do. There's a cost to live like the church in Acts, to have the kind of unity that the world recognizes could only come from Jesus. The kind of community that looks more like family than it does a church but there's a cost. The question is, are you willing to pay that cost to become the bride? Remember what Jesus said in Luke 14, 26? He said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me with a bunch of other people that are following me so we can Follow Jesus together. If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, your wife and your children, your brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. What if you love the church as much? What if you love the church more than your own family? That's kind of what Jesus is talking about. What if we put a higher value on church family than our biological family? And I know that's a stretch in most people's minds because it's a stretch in mine. But there's a cost. And look, if you begin to live that out, though, if you begin to live that out, people will be drawn to it because that's not normal. And, but people want to be around that kind of love. But if you begin to live that out, church can't just be a Sunday morning and maybe like one other night during the week type thing. It has to become a lifestyle because you can't accomplish the one another's. You can't accomplish all of the one another's that are found in scripture in a church service. You just can't. Y'all come in, y'all face forward, y'all sing forward, y'all look forward while I look back at you and talk and you listen to me. And 
I mean, maybe you're giving me a little bit of like grace or submission by sitting there and listening, but, but really you can't live out in community, in the body, in the church, the one another statements that the scripture tells us to do in a church service. You just can't. It has to be a lifestyle. It, it takes being a family and living out the Christian life together day to day. In 1 John 3.10, John says, by this it's evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is someone who doesn't love his brother. Paul says, if you want to know who the children of God are, look for these two things. One, they're pursuing righteousness. They're living for God. Two, they're loving each other. Do we love one another? Do we really love one another? Does the unity that we have, does the unity that we have reflect the unity that you see in the church of Acts? Does our unity look like the unity that Jesus was praying for in John 17? Where do we begin? Well, it starts with you. And it starts with me. It starts individually. With each one of us, each one of you, myself. Doing it together. We have to start living out the one another's, whether the person next to us started living them out or not, we have to do it. It's not something that a few of us can do. There's no way that I can or the elders can or the board can or, or we can create a program in which to cause everybody to live out the one another's. It has to be something that we all count the cost to say, are we going to be a family? And if we're going to be a family, then we're going to start this journey towards it. And I get it. It's absolutely, it's going to be a journey. It's not something that we just can arrive at today where I can preach today and say, hey, everybody, we're going to be united together in one heart and mind like they were in the book of Acts. And you all nod your head and go, yeah, that's a good idea. And then... We just, it's there. It's a journey for all of us. But it's a journey we have to take. Because until we love one another and experience the unity that Christ prayed that we would, until we can do that, the bride will be unattractive. The bride of Christ will not be attractive to Jesus because it'll be full of sin. It won't be attractive to the world because what, what, did, what did John say? 
John says in verse uh, 23, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That our unity would point people to Jesus. If, if, we're, if we can't experience that, we're not going to be the beautiful bride of Christ that we need to be. And if we're Christians, we can't be okay with that. Let me ask you the question, do the people around you this morning feel loved by you? Do the people around you feel like family? Do they feel like you feel like they're family? Jesus said, love one another in the way that I've loved you. We're gonna take a little bit of time right now and pray. If you wanna bow your heads with me or if you wanna come down here to the altar, if maybe God's speaking to you about how you've been loving, if, uh, if you wanna just spin around and kneel at your chair. Um, again, sometimes we just kinda have to bow ourselves before God to remember that he's in heaven and we're on earth and uh, he has to become greater and we have to become less. But just as we take a little bit of time to pray, ask God right now, what needs to be my first step? So just, just ask God, what needs to be my first step towards loving one another? What needs to be my first step in this journey towards unity and family?